everybody. I'm Jen Garrett, internationally recognized branding consultant, attorney, and best-selling author of the books, Move the Ball and Dominate the Game. My passion for football, high achievement, and pushing boundaries has helped me to get into rooms with pro athletes and power players and to move the ball in multiple male-dominated industries. Now, I'm using the same Move the Ball methodology to help thousands of people dominate their game when it comes to their brands, their careers, and creating opportunities. Join me in conversations that will elevate your career, differentiate your hustle, and accelerate you crossing the goal line. Get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hello, and thanks for joining me today. Real quickly, if you haven't already done so, be sure that you follow the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And yes, I want your help. Please share the show with some friends, family, or colleagues that you think would also enjoy listening to the show. Today, I'm super excited and you are in for a real treat as you're about to hear my conversation with Aaron Kerman, who is a top real estate agent based in LA, though he does deals all over the world. And you've also seen him on TV as he was one of the stars of CNBC's Listing Impossible. Aaron has represented many high net worth individuals and A-list celebrities, such as Ariana Grande, Orlando Bloom, and more. During our conversation today, Aaron and I talk about the importance of branding, risk-taking, reinvention, and how he went on a path less traveled on his journey to success, which includes being involved in over $16 billion in real estate deals. We also chat about the importance of knowing the right people and how in today's day and age, anyone can reach anyone with the right information, knowledge, and access. As you'll hear on the show, Aaron has got amazing positive energy. You can hear the authenticity in his voice. Oh my gosh, I love this conversation and I know you will too. You ready? Have a listen. Aaron, it is great to have you on the show and inside the huddle with us today. How are you? I'm doing really good. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm great. And I'm so excited to have you here with us today. We've been planning on doing the show for a little while, and you've got such an impressive background and a wealth of experience in the real estate industry. I know we are going to have an awesome conversation. But the first question is, Aaron, are you ready to move the ball? Let's move the ball. Let's make it happen. Awesome. By the way, we're always ready to move the ball. That's right. Always got to be ready. So let's do it. So one of the things I really enjoy about having this podcast is I get to chat with people who are the best of the best in their respective industry. And Aaron, you've worked with clients to produce some of the highest prices when it comes to real estate in places like Beverly Hills, Bel Air, Hollywood Hills, Malibu. And you don't just do deals in California. I mean, you're doing deals all over the world. As I like to say, you aren't just moving the ball you're dominating the game. So let's talk about how you're doing that, Erin. Something that I like to say is being elite is all about differentiation and separation, meaning positioning yourself to have a unique value proposition and you're doing things different than everyone else. So what have you done in your career to really set yourself apart from the other luxury realtors there are out there? Yeah, you know, it's funny because I I don't know how this happened. I, I, I grew up really poor actually and had a lot of challenges. But I always knew when I got into the real estate business at the age of like 17, that branding was really, really important. And even at that age, I remember I spent a lot of money marketing, I spent a lot of money advertising. And I also specialized in house it is and 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 certain types of entertainment branding. So as I grew my business, I remember I started selling really cool houses, architectural houses. People knew me as the maybe not cool guy that sold the cool houses. And eventually that kind of just spiraled into 
a lot of people in art and architecture and entertainment saying, God, I want this guy to help me sell my house. And as time went on, it just got higher and higher level. And eventually, I remember I was moving companies and I had this title that was like executive director architecture. And it, the, the architecture division was taken. So they're like, we're going to make you president of estates. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, new game, bigger houses, more expensive. And so I was pretty blessed because I had always spent my life working on connections, right? And for me, I never wanted to just get one house. I always said, well, what's the easiest way to get 10 houses? And for me, it was always the people behind the people. So I called family offices, I called business managers, I called CPAs, lawyers, anybody that managed wealth. And I always called myself like a wealth curator because I chased wealth. And it worked really well for me because at any stage of where I was when I wanted to get something done, I knew who to call, I knew how to get it. And eventually it doubled and tripled and quadrupled. And I remember when I launched that division, I launched with like three $60 million houses all at the same time. And I remember the whole of LA was like, what just happened? Oh, that's awesome. And so Aaron, I'm on a lot of shows and I meet a lot of people. You know, a lot of people, I've brokered billion dollar deals in my career. I have seven college degrees. So people will always say, Jen, like what motivates you or what drives you to do those things? And for me, it was always, I had a huge fear of being average. I didn't want to be like everybody else. So I always like had to make sure that I was a few steps ahead of the game. So my question for you is, Aaron, what makes you tick or what drives you? Yeah, great question, by the way. I think it's two things. I always say not growing is dying. Like, I always want to grow. And it's not necessarily about the dollars or the money. It's something that's deeply innately in me that is never happy with where I am. I always want the next thing. I want the next step. I sold a $150 million house. I sold one of the most expensive houses in the world at 300 at one time. And I didn't necessarily celebrate it. I was like, what's next for me? What's my next deal? How am I going to get out? How am I going to outpace that deal? So for me, it's always figuring out what's next. And a lot of it is like you. I don't want to be average. I also grew up poor. And so to a certain degree, I call it the fear of loss that keeps me ticking because I'm just like, okay, let's move on. And and I, I think in some respects it's bad because I don't even know if I celebrate the here and now because I'm always just moving to the next thing. And yeah, I, I work with, as you know, a lot of professional athletes and they are very much the same way. It's you're never satisfied. You're always hungry for that next thing. And so while it's important to celebrate the success that you have, it's not becoming complacent in that. It's looking at how you can continue to push and get to that next thing that you're after. Yeah. And, you know, in real estate, the beauty is there's so many progressions. You know, you start from an agent, then you could run division, then you could get into development, then you could help people develop. I mean, every step of the way you grow and you learn and you study and you win and you lose and you mess up and you catch up again. And so for me, like the next step was becoming a broker, owning a, a real estate company. And and opening Christie's LA because that was just something that I wanted to do. There was a moment when I thought, okay, I want to do TV. So I started pitching TV and I got my show and, and that was fun for a minute. And I think that when I look at successful people, it's always a progression. People are never exactly happy where they are. And if you're creative and if you're excited and if you're ready to go to the next level, the next level will always come. And it just leads to more work and more energy and more excitement which leads to a very non-boring life. 
For sure. Now, I want to talk about your brokerage, which you have a phenomenal team of like over 150 people in. But before we go there, I want to run it way back. You mentioned earlier that you started getting into real estate very, very young, 17 years old. Like what drove you down that path? Was there something that influenced you in that direction or how did that start? It started because I couldn't keep a job. I got fired from every single job I ever had. I couldn't read when I was a kid. I had severe learning disabilities. Every job I had, I got fired. And I was like, God, I really need to be my own boss because it's impossible for me to keep a job. And back then, the real estate industry wasn't as glamorous as it is today. They didn't have all the shows and the glamour and not everybody wanted to be in it. But I remember when I was like 17, I told everybody I was going to be a real estate agent. And everyone's like, that's what my grandma does. Why would you ever want to do that? But I, I just knew it was something that I wanted to do. And when I was like six and seven and funny, I was just told this at a conference. I used to ride my BMX bike to the rich neighborhood. And I tell people don't do this today. I used to break into mansions. Like I would literally, if they were empty, by the way, scale the fence if I knew it was empty, walk around and either pretend like I was living in the house or I would even pretend to be a real estate agent at the time. And I remember at one point I was like walking and I, somebody back in the day in the neighborhood I lived, they had those key cards that actually got you into all these vacant houses. I remember I found one and, and I was like, nine, and that was my like glory. And, and I, I used to make my parents take us out looking at houses with real estate agents when they couldn't afford to buy anything. So I was kind of a real estate agent's worst nightmare, but it was just in my blow. Oh, that's awesome. And obviously, you've been very successful. It's something you're very passionate about. And when you're connected to your purpose, your passion, you obviously do more and get to that next level faster because you're in alignment with where you're meant to be. Yeah. And I always tell people that alignment is so important because the authenticity of living life is all about knowing who you are, knowing what you want, and just owning it and never, never backing down. I would say it takes a minute for people to get there. But once you get to the point where you're like, I am me, I'm going to find my people and I'm going to know what I like, it makes life so much easier. Oh, for sure. And I mean, even for me, I mean, people that have been listening to the show, people know I used to be in Fortune 50 senior leadership, climbed the corporate ladder pretty quickly. I was in senior leadership in my 20s, thought that was where I was meant to be. And then after my dad passed away, I had realized that to all those things I've been putting on my resume, no one would care about when it was my turn to go. And so what was the legacy? What was the thing that I really wanted to leave behind that would last beyond me? And so it was this whole move the ball movement that I've been spending the last few years really creating. And people are like, wow, Jen, it seems like you're just, there's a lot of challenges. You know, there's ups and downs like any business, right? But it's like when you're in your purpose and you're in your element, it doesn't feel like work and you're loving the journey. By the way, you should be so proud of yourself because I love people that help people accomplish goals and get to where they want to be. I don't have your background and education, but kudos to you for getting to where you're doing and doing amazing things. Oh, well, thank you. That means a lot to me. So let's talk about how you've been successful in your real estate business. Obviously, you're doing things differently than everyone else. But if you were to look back, like what there were a few things that you would attribute your success to, what would those things be? Yeah. I would say, first and foremost, being strategic. I always overanalyze and analyze where things are and where things are going. Second thing, I would say, really having an entrepreneurial spirit and not just following the, the path. If people go right, I like to go left. Like, I don't like to follow what people think is the path. I, I, I tend to like to do something different. And I'd say risk-taking is always really important. I remember I was 
at one of the most luxurious, prestigious companies. And I was offered ownership into a company that barely existed, but they gave me ownership and I took it and, you know, my business skyrocketed. And I would say last and foremost, reinvention, like the world changes every single day, every hour, something's changing. And I would say that I have been in a position and blessed that I have to reinvent myself many times for many reasons. And I was never afraid of change. Let's back up. I hated change when I was like young, but the older I got, the more excited about change I got. I got. And with every change came new and innovative strategies, thoughts, powerful movements. And so now I embrace change. Entrepreneurial spirit is huge. Like, don't be a follower. Come up with some of your own things. And then figure out the easiest way to not only brand, but the easiest way to get to from point A to point C. And I would say that for me, that one of that ways was just always working with people that managed other people. Because instead of getting one client, I got like hundreds at a time. And so that eventually led to like billions of dollars in sales. And the last thing that I think was really helpful for me is I lived well. When I was born, I had no money. I traveled. I lived my life. I'll never forget. There was one time I didn't have any money and I wanted to go to Paris. And I think I splurged and I got a business class ticket. This was like when I was like 19. And I felt so guilty about it. Like I was like, I can't afford my food. And here I am. But funny enough, I'll never forget. I was sitting with somebody next door who ended up buying like a $6 million house. And I made like $150,000 off of that 6,000 ticket. And it made me realize that if we're living and if you're living well, and if you're living authentic to what you want, people are going to find you and you're going to find people and it's going to make life so much better. For sure. It really comes down to like, how are you showing up to life? And are you showing up in a way that's consistent with where you want to go and how you want to live your life? Right. Exactly. So some people might not be familiar with luxury real estate versus what we'll call conventional real estate transactions. And so how do you approach luxury sales differently than conventional real estate? And what sets you apart in this niche? Yeah. I mean, look, I think sales is sales. The people and the format might be different, but the systematic approach to sales is always very similar. And you could go on a million dollar listing or I could go on a $200 million listing. And quite frankly, I'm probably not going to change my approach. Like I'm going to be me. I'm going to listen. I'm going to learn. I'm going to understand what somebody wants. And then I'm going to apply that to what I do. I think the variation is the uniqueness of the people and the players. And the strategies have to be a little bit different. So the reason I would say I excel in the luxury market is because I know the people that are buying and selling the luxury houses, and I understand the universal differences of what it's going to take to get it sold. And that means having a huge budget because we can't just rely on MLSs to sell $100 million. That means taking specialized approaches to, to knowing the right people. And once you know the right people, it becomes relatively easy. So. For example, selling real estate, regular real estate, you have technology, you have marketing, you have print marketing, you have MLSs, it all works, right? One of the differences that I've done for the Uber luxury houses is if I'm going to take a $100 million house, I know I'm going to be meeting family offices in Singapore, Hong Kong, London, Dubai, because those are the people that are buying it. And if I could meet the family offices, and I always tell people this, I have 
$13 trillion worth of family offices that I partner with around the world. So when I tap into that leverage, that's how I get these houses sold. So it's really a relationship-based business. But the beauty of the relationship-based business is in today's world, anybody can get to anyone with the right information, knowledge, and access. So I always say, even if you're starting from ground zero, you could still do it. Oh, for sure. And something that's important, not only in the real estate industry, but just in business in general, is the importance of cultivating strong relationships, as you know, Eric. And so many people get this wrong. I don't care what business you're in. People just they don't know how to do it effectively because they're so focused on the what I can get out of it versus how can I serve you, right, and cultivate that. So for people that are listening to the show or watching the show, what tips can you give them in terms of how they should go about building their networks the right way? Yeah, I call it commission breath. Nobody wants to work with somebody that has a commission breath. And commission breath is what can I get out of somebody else? How much money can I make? And what can you give me, right? That's all the things that nobody wants. So for me, I've always just taken the approach of if I'm going to go on a listing appointment, I just want to get to know somebody. I want to know who they are, what they are, their background, their history, what makes them tick, what makes them not tick. I always say my best listing interviews have nothing to do with real estate. It's just getting to know each other. Because if somebody gets to know you and trusts you and trusts that your intent is right, the form for selling real estate is very simple to break down. And so I always just want to really understand people. I think listening is the most important part. I think authentic caring is the most important part. And I never do anything to make money. Like, I mean, I work hard to make money. Let's not say it. But if something's not right for somebody, even if I could make money, I'm the first person saying, you know what? Don't sell your house. It's not right for you. Let's just hold it for a couple of years until. I've talked more buyers out of buying houses than I probably sold houses. No joke. Because we always want to do what's right for our buyers and our sellers. And I know that sounds kind of like cheesy, but it's not. Because if you do what's right for people, people are going to do what's right for you. And it's going to be a win-win for everybody. Right. And people appreciate that. Like they know if you're acting in their best interest, they know they see it. And if you're not, they also see it. And when they know that you're there to help them and you've got their back, whether or not that results in a deal today or not, the fact that you just cared about serving them, genuinely cared, they remember that. And so they'll want to do business with you. And also they'll tell their friends too. Exactly. And I'll never forget, I was in a $150 million listing appointment. There were like five business managers sitting there. It was a really formal appointment. There was the lady that owned the house. Oh, well, I met this lady from a psychic that I work with. And so for 90 minutes, we were talking about psychics and how we met and our experience. And, and, and we're having this conversation in front of like five business managers. At the end of the interview, she said, so what are you going to do to sell my house? I gave her a five minute speech on what I'm going to do. And with all those people, she goes, you're hired. And the business managers were like shocked because they had other interviews that were scheduled for that day. And she goes, I, I have my person, let's cancel everything. And it was just because we related to each other on, on a topic. And that was enough to get me hired. And that's kind of how it works at the high level, at the low level, at medium level. So let's talk about your organization. As I mentioned earlier, you've got a team of over 150 people in your team. Like, How do you cultivate a great culture amongst the team? How do you lead an organization like that effectively to achieve all the successes that you guys have achieved? Yeah, I think we lead by example. I always tell people there is a world of sharks out there, not to be negative, but 
we're in a very competitive business. It's very hard. And there's a world of sharks out there. And I always tell people, we want to be the dolphins. Sharks die alone. Dolphins die together and are together. And so we always say, we want to be the honorable, kind, playful spirits that as a team grow our individual businesses to the ultimate of success. And I believe you can't do it alone anymore. The world's changed. Teams are so big in the industry. There's so many movements and all the transactions that it really is a group-based sport now. And we teach people, be kind, be honest, never sell to sell, sell because it's the right thing to do. Share information, share culture, have a good time and enjoy not just the successes, but enjoy the process because the process is what leads to success. And our retention has been absolutely amazing. Like I've taken a lot of people to a lot of different companies to now my own brokerage. And we've only grown. We've only gotten better. We're all about the team. We're all about the team spirit. We're all about information sharing. And ultimately, we want to have a good time too. You know, I always tell people the most important thing is to take care of yourself. Because if you don't take care yes. of yourself, you're not going to be able to take care of your clients. And so I always try to teach, live well, treat your family amazingly well. And if you're doing all those things right, business is going to also come as well because it starts with the art of knowing how to live. Oh, for sure. And I mean, when you are looking to serve others, you need to be at your best level to be able to serve them at your highest level of service, right? So you definitely, it starts with taking care of you first. It is. And I always tell people when I'm in a good mood, I could take over the world. And when I'm in a bad mood, I use like so much. So for me, it's about checking my mood. I'd say, what do I need to be in a good mood today? And if I'm in a bad mood, why am I in a bad mood? And how can I fix it? So that's very easy to talk about. Like, hey, if you're in a bad mood, check yourself and correct it, right? But in practice, it might be a little bit hard. I mean, the more you do it, the easier it is. But for someone that's just starting to implement that practice of checking their mood, can you give them a little bit of tips of how do you like stop from being caught up in the emotions and the negativity and saying, you know what, I need to turn this around and make this yeah. a positive day and bring that positive energy. I mean, I think happiness is a choice. So it just starts with that. Yes. Granted, it's an idyllic thought because the day will bring you down sometimes. And sometimes you will have a bad deal. And sometimes it will not go well. I always try to remind myself that life is like a game of chess. You win some and you lose some. And when you lose, you just got to like pick yourself up and start again and rebuild. Sometimes if something happens that's devastating, like really bad, I'll take half a day or a day off and I'll be like, I'm going to mourn my loss. I'm going to mourn my loss. I'm going to feel sorry for myself. I'm going to go eat pizza, pasta, chocolate cake and do all the things that I know are probably not that great for me, but they make me feel better. So that the next day I could start again, be positive and say, how are we going to get this moving forward? In our business, we could I could lose millions of dollars in a month by and deals and flows and competition. I could also make millions of dollars in a month. And so you can't take it that seriously. And you just have to know what's yours is yours. What wasn't yours isn't yours. And we are where we should be. So even if I lose a deal, or uh, something didn't go my way, there's a reason. There was a lesson. And I always try to figure out what that lesson is to make sure that I don't do it again. And as long as I take a lesson out of something, it tends to make me feel better because I'm like, okay, we're not going to do that again. And if I do do it again, 
that's when I like feel very bad about myself because you don't want to make the same mistake twice. Correct. And success comes from applying those lessons. That's how you get to that next level, right? So that, you know, to use that F word, that failure word, like if you learn the lesson, it's not a failure, but it's those lessons that help you to get to that next level. Oh, yeah. I mean, I could tell you my success is from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of like stupid mistakes and failures that if I knew then what I know now, oh, my God, you take over the world. But unfortunately, that just comes with time and time comes with age. And that's just part of life. For sure. Now, you've obviously achieved significant success in the real estate industry. I mentioned earlier about my dad passing and how I'm doing what I'm doing now because I want to leave a legacy. What legacy do you hope to leave in the real estate industry? And also, are there any philanthropic or community-oriented initiatives that you are passionate about? You know, I always tell people, we want to leave the world better than we came into the world. It's not just about success and money and building and power and fame and glory. It's really about leaving a footprint for doing what is right. Yes. Um, I do my best to teach my team ethically, always do what's right, never do what's wrong. You might make a mistake. And if you didn't know, you didn't know. But if you know, really leave the world in a better spot than we have. Even I use this metaphor, like even when I leave a hotel room, it's really left the same way I found it, if not nicer for whatever reason. Like I try to really do what's right for everybody, make the right decisions. And so I would love my legacy to be, God, he was great. God, he did amazing work. Yes, he sold billions of dollars. But he was always kind, honest, sincere, authentic, and left the world better than than we found it. Um, so I think that that's really important for me. There's a world outside of our, our box that's not as lucky as I am. There's people that don't have homes. There's people that don't have food. And so for me, it's really important to give back to those worlds. So we're major contributors to give back homes. Uh, we build homes both in LA and we build homes, funny enough, in San Salvador and Guatemala. We give a lot of charities to that. I always like to give to the people who are trying. Like for me, it's not about just giving to give to anybody. My heart goes to the people that are doing the best they can and it's just not enough. And the reason Give Back Homes felt right for us is the people that we're giving to are like families that are hardworking. They, they go to work every day. They're trying. They may be street vendors, but they're trying and they need a little support to get to the, where they want to be. And that's always where my heart goes out because I'm a fighter. I started from a modest family myself. So I know the struggle is real and sometimes people need a little push. My other heart goes out to animals. Like I just love animals. Sometimes more than people. It's a nightmare. But I think animals are the highest level of love here, just kindness. And so I can't tell you how much money I'll donate to like every charity that's animal related because I, I'll watch Facebook or Instagram and there'll be some dog on the street that's homeless and somebody picked them up and they need $500 because they need a surgery. And I'm like the first to like donate. So that's another one of my passions. You definitely have a good heart. And I'm glad you brought up the hotel room example because I'm exactly the same way. I'm like, oh, I got to put this back. It has to look great. Like, I don't want to leave it a mess. And people are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, no, I'm no. like, I, like I, even with like things, like it's not just people's things. I always have told when I rented property that wasn't mine, I always said, I could guarantee you it's going to be so much more beautiful after I've lived there. 
than before. And it always is. Like, I'll spend money, I'll spend time. Even if it's not my own house or when it wasn't my own home, I can't tell you, I would do full remodels because I like I like to live in nice things. I like to feel the beauty because I knew if I didn't, I wouldn't be happy. So you mentioned earlier you were looking at some time in the TV world and you were pitching for shows and you were the star of Listing Impossible. What was that journey like? And what were a couple of memorable experiences from that show? Yeah, it was really fun. I love doing TV. It was fun. The reason it didn't work is CNBC just recalibrated their prime time and actually cut it out. But the show had amazing ratings. I loved the experience, but I got to tell you, I lost millions of dollars doing a television show because people would call me to sell like a $30 million house and I'd be like, great, can we meet next Wednesday? And it was like Monday. And they'd be like, sure. And then when I would call the schedule, it was already listed. So it had its benefits. It had its drawbacks. I think today, though, the beauty is you don't need a show to kill it. You know, YouTube and Instagram is your own show, by the way. And you get to produce it and you get to be your own authentic self without any movements. And I would almost say today's world is so much more powerful with social media that anybody in any sphere can get to exactly where they want to get to if they take the time, energy, and authentic time and money to sort of curate themselves. So right now we're having a great time building our own channels and doing what we do. And I'm not sure, I mean, I maybe would do a show again, but I almost don't think you need to because of social media and the impact that you have. We could curate millions of people. I bet as many of a billion people look at something we've done and we're like, okay, now no network does that. Right. And you bring up a good point about social media. I mean, technology is fantastic. You have the ability to reach so many people and to connect with so many people today. I remember when I wrote my first book, Move the Ball, people would be like, hey, Jed, did you go and interview all of these football people to get their perspectives? And I'm like, no, I just know about the game of football. And I wrote about what I knew because I didn't have a network. I didn't know anybody in the industry. So there was not social media then. How was I going to find them? The yellow pages? So like, it's so incredible how technology has evolved and to use it to your advantage. I mean, it's such a powerful thing that we have today. And so you're absolutely right. I mean, you don't need mainstream television to have an impact, to connect, to build an audience and to grow your business. You know, I have a lot of friends in entertainment. I don't know how much longer that mainstream television is even going to survive because everybody is online and everyone picks what they want to watch. And so I think those days and all the advertising budgets, I don't know how much longer that state's going to even go, to be honest. Mm, That's a good point. Yes. And so, I mean, I think the takeaway for people listening to the show is, I mean, use technology, build your presence through social media and use it to connect and build your network and form the relationships with the people that you want to. I mean, it is fantastic just who you can, you have the ability to reach out to anybody on the planet, whether or not they respond to you, depends on how you reach out, right? But you have the option, the opportunity to try to connect. Listen, the variation, when I started, we didn't have that world. It was who you knew and you had access to. So I had to work, physically work to build it. Today, it's so much easier to get access to pretty much anybody. But the caveat is to get to the right people, you have to be somebody. And what that means is you have to be so authentic to who you are that people are attracted to that authentic self online. And then the followers will come, the people will come, the movements will come. And when you're there, and I've tested this, I can get to like kings, queens, celebrities. I hit a a huge celebrity because I thought that 
I had the right situation for them. And they responded back. And I was like, oh my God, that actually, I was shocked that actually worked, but it worked. Yeah, I completely agree. I've, I've had similar experiences. I've reached out to people and they thank you, right? They do their homework. They do their diligence. So I, yeah, you know what? I think you're legit or I, I like I, your vibe or whatever. Let's chat. So absolutely agree with you. And you've represented clients like Rihanna, Nicki Minaj, royal families from the Middle East as an example. I mean, remarkable. Like what unique challenges and opportunities come along with working with such high profile clients? I think privacy and discretion, it, like the number one thing. I always tell people it's going to be really hard for me to hide whatever they do because everybody follows them. I remember yeah. I was uh, working with Ariana Grande and she wanted to do something quiet. And I said, look, I don't think this is going to go well. Like, I'll do my best. I'm not going to say anything to anybody. But what people don't realize is a lot of times the celebrities and the high profile people are the ones that slip because they tell their friend, their friends tell their friend and it's out. So I warn people in today's modern world where the media is following every move of some of the most high profile people be prepared to not have a secret and if we can get away with a secret god bless america so earlier you talked about branding a little bit and when you were talking about how you recognize that early on and you've got the akg christie's team i'm part of at properties christie's international real estate like what about the christie's brand because you could align your brokerage anywhere so why christie's why was that important to you yeah. So I had worked with a company that's kind of more or less defunct now, but it was called Tilted and Highland. And it was an affiliate of Christie's. This goes back to 2005 to probably 13. And I loved the Christie's brand. It was just always so powerful. I loved the international, national luxury alliance with Auction House. So it was just something I really wanted. I obviously like had its own ways and we moved into a different direction. When dad took over Christie's and I realized Christie's was not in LA and in certain areas of Southern California, I realized it was just something I really wanted to do. I wanted to be part of the brand and it's been so much fun. I didn't even realize the power of the brand is as strong as it is because brands just love it because it is so international and with the alignments and the world and the and the world's rich are only getting richer and it's tighter. And so it's been really powerful. And I love I love working with Christie's. I love the brand. I love building, being a part of the build. And I love that we took a brand that was not in L.A. and is now in L.A. and killing it. Yeah, I agree with you. It's a powerful brand. And Mike Golden, Thad Wong, who founded at Properties, they're just fantastic. They've both been on the show last season. They've got amazing energy and they know how to take things to next level, too. So it's great. Yeah, they do. And by the way, I love their entrepreneurial spirit. They're such yes. visionaries. It's like apples and oranges from the brand that I was part of years ago to today. And I think it's only going up and really to be able to get real alliance with Auction House really to be able to have a network that's that big actually work is amazing. And that's a real testament to them and their hardware. Oh, for sure. So Aaron, what we're going to do now is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to have some more fun with some questions as part of my two minute drill. We'll be right back. You already know how to move the ball. Now it's time to dominate the game. In my latest book, Dominate the Game, I uncover the strategies of top performers that are proven to tackle procrastination, break through barriers, and more, giving you the confidence to go after everything you want. Life is about more than just showing up. It's about differentiating, elevating, and dominating. So here's the deal. Grab your copy of Dominate the Game today and get your playbook for success. Make this next year the year you dominate in every aspect of your life. 
Because remember, the game is yours to conquer. All right, Aaron, we are back. Are you ready for some more fun? I am ready for fun. Let's go. All right, here we go. First question is, what did you want to be when you were 10 years old? A real estate agent. What three words would you use to describe yourself? Charismatic and not willing to ever hear the word no. Okay. You'll probably like this question. Why are you worth knowing? I'm worth knowing because I'm, I am my authentic self and it will never be a dull moment. Oh, love it. Who would play you in a movie about your life? Oh my God. Brad Pitt? Even okay. though he's much better looking than me and like <laughs> so much more handsome. And then what would that movie be called? From loss to gain. From loss to gain. Okay. I like that. What is one thing most people don't know about you? That I used to break into mansions when I was between 7 and 15. What is a pet peeve of yours? Lying. I hate liars and I hate a lack of authenticity. And then the bonus question is, would you rather travel 100 years in the future or 100 years in the past and why? I'd love to go in the future. I'm a future guy. I never look back. I, I want to see what's happening. I don't even think about my past. I don't. I just move on to the next day, the next week, the next year, and the next 10 years. So by far the future. Okay. And as we look to close our show, you talked about getting to that next level. What's next for you? What are kind of those things that you're really focused on? Yeah, really focused on growing our brand here in LA. And we actually are just about to announce expansion in Orange County, San Diego. Want to dominate luxury in all of LA. Uh, continue to do what we do. Have fun. My husband and I are working on having kids next now, actually. So nice. that should be fun. And just always growing, always <laughs> moving, as you would say, moving that ball forward and trying to be better than we were yesterday. Oh, that's awesome. And as we're closing the show, if you were to give people one last piece of advice, what would that be? And then secondly, let people know, where can they follow you? How can they keep up with you in, on your journey? You know, I would say... It's not the destination, but it's getting to the destination that's the most important. So enjoy life. We have one life to live and it's not a guarantee that we're going to be there tomorrow. So it's like every day, it needs to be impactful. It needs to be happy. It needs to be joyous. And it needs to be living in authenticity. You could follow me at AaronFerman.com is my website. My website or my Instagram is Aaron Furman. My YouTube is Aaron Furman. Pretty easy. Just a lot of fun. You're a really impressive person and you should be so proud of yourself as well. Oh, well, thank you. And again, I appreciate you making time to come on the show. Really loved our chat today. Amazing. Thank you for having me. And thanks to everyone for listening to today's episode. If you like the show and you haven't already done so, make sure you hit that follow button so you're always in the know for future episodes. And also be sure to share the show with some friends, family, colleagues, and coworkers too. All right, everybody. Thanks again for listening and we will catch you next time. Until then, make sure you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you found this episode to be helpful, do me a favor, leave me a review and also share the show with a few friends too. Next, if you're looking to take your career to that next level, unlocking the path to executive heights and high income opportunities, go to www.thenextfirstdown.com and join the newsletter. This will give you priority access to tips and strategies that will help you accelerate your career today, not tomorrow, not next week, today. As always, I'm here to be in your corner and help you to move the ball. Until next time.